0: we'll talk about star wars eventually eventually
1: yeah, that'll, be, that'll be yeah we'll get there at some point there's <laughs> mm-hmm. always that but we can just okay. like get rolling yeah. right into it i guess are you guys up and like running Yep. back up going,
0: going. I'm yep i'm good
1: i'm good uh yeah. awesome good so welcome back everybody to dance for Bot dance this is episode 178 uh i'm mark i am here with Tim is here.
0: Merry Christmas, everybody. This is going to be our Christmas episode. This is the most Christmassy it's probably going to get. So I'm going to Christmas all over this fucking intro, Mark.
1: Okay, I'm muting Tim. So Tim's (laughs) muted for the rest of the episode. That's
0: cool.
1: Uh, So Paul and I are going to talk about Watchmen today. Uh, Tim's going to be frustrated in the background, but we're not going to be able to hear him. I'll record (laughs) it. I'll still record it. And like, I'll be able to hear it, but I'm just cutting them out. That's all I'm doing. (laughs) That's what we're doing. I'm also here. My brother is here uh, from South Korea. So say hello to Paul. Or say hello to Paul.
2: Hey, how's it going? Also, Merry Christmas, because I don't know. Oh, now it's just Mark talking oh, about Star Wars,
0: talking about Watchmen by himself. That's fine, man. That's
2: totally cool. We're talking about Watchmen for like 25 minutes, and <laughs> then I'll just get out. It's easier to edit. You know, I
1: don't have to worry about you guys. It's great. Yeah, great.
0: Mark's actually
2: now placed himself under a single a single hanging light bulb, and he's lit yeah. up a cigarette, and he's just yep. going to go to town, I mean, you know. I like this. I like this. is a good idea. I think we should do this as a <laughs>
1: bonus episode, where I just get real baked and just talk about stuff randomly, because that case. would be exciting. Not really, <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's like all the YouTube reviewers. You know what I mean? Like all those guys, like yeah. those single camera guys who just get them. Like, hey, listen, I'm going to talk to you about and Star get angry Wars at shit for 35 minutes, and I have no fucking yeah. thesis, but I'm just going to ramble. Yeah. Here we go, guys. Strap in. You know, mm-hmm. click that subscribe button and ding ring the bell. Ring the bell. We
2: like no likey girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically. Why, why black
0: men in Star Wars? Yeah. Oh my God. Like, why, is, why is the lead
1: <laughs> of my Watchmen show a black woman, even though, you know. Yeah. Whew, all right. Cool. Uh, so let's like do the news, because there's three things to talk about, and then we can get right into the meat of the episode, because... Oh, I
0: disagree.
1: What? There's not <laughs> a lot of news? There's a lot of news?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, there's plenty of news.
1: All right. We can, we'll get into it. So first <laughs> of all, we're not talking about J.K. Rowling. Or Harry Potter Oh, yes, anymore. we are.
2: Oh, no, we're there not. Oh, we're to talk about it. It Wait, was a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys
1: always <laughs> just want to jump on the joke before I even finish it, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Holy shit.
2: Well, then maybe you should set your jokes up better, Mark. God. <laughs> well, maybe if I could finish the <laughs> sentence so that I could finish the joke, that would be uh No, we would, we would like to seriously. angrily re- react to everything. Isn't that yeah. what this podcast is for? God damn it. Hot take.
1: No, I think that's that's what the YouTube channel is for, I think, boys <laughs> oh, okay. like that. I think we are just talking about that. I think we were just talking well, about that. Hey, man, I watch a lot of YouTube now. I should be be much nicer about it than I am. Um, Yeah, so J.K. Rowling apparently does not like trans people, and we should probably minimize the amount of time we spend talking about her bullshit fucking X-Men ripoff franchise.
0: Which has been, like, (laughs) thinly veiled for years, and now she's just basically come out and fucking in support of somebody that basically lost their job for being transphobic, and, well, basically, like, just completely trying to negate the existence of trans people entirely pretty much. And
2: yeah yeah she's uh doing a pretty old trick where she's just like sounding progressive it's like you can sleep with whoever you want and then she's all like but trans people don't exist yeah. basically and it's just fucking horrifying and like the the woman who quote unquote lost her job didn't even really lose her job she didn't kind of just didn't get asked back to a fellowship so it wasn't even like that big of a controversy except for the shit that she actually said this maya forstatter woman or whatever yeah. the hell her name is was like saying some pretty horrible shit. And earlier this year we found out that J.K. Rowling was following a lot of yeah. turf Twitter. And for those who don't know TERF, trans exclusionary radical feminists, garbage people.
0: Basically just fem yeah. They're basically feminists that just don't support anybody that is not like born biologically female.
2: Yeah. They're horrible, horrible, horrible yeah. people. They also go under the guise of gender critical, um, which is just Ugh. a uh, but don't don't use that term because it's a bullshit term. So yeah. J.K. I have Rowling literally, fucking...
1: literally no idea what any of that those sentences meant. Like well, what you just said, like good. It even remain track as ignorant it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, All but right. but yeah, um, don't like it, not that the quality of J.K. Rowling's work has been particularly high yeah. since she finished book five of the harry potter series just let's not s- s- give this woman any more money or yep. airtime because she's done. fucking horrible works for me because
1: i fucking hate harry potter so i'm fucking done talking about that franchise for <laughs> eternity now which is awesome for me so yeah. that works out like this is working out 100 for me because mm-hmm. like you get to you get to shittily british up the x-men then i'm done but like you're going to be shitty about all this other stuff, too? Then I'm super done. We don't even have to talk about it anymore. So fuck Harry Potter. Yeah, I win. Tim, we got our first look at Bill and Ted having returned. Did you look at the pictures?
0: Yes, I did. I love it. I'm super happy with it. And uh, we got to see fucking Bill Sadler back as Death. And we got to see our first shots of the two girls that are playing their kids. And, and also Kid Cootie, who's in the movie as himself. And... And I mean, the iconic like money shot, which is fucking Bill and Ted looking very much like Snape uh, to go back to fucking JK Rowling apparently again in the phone booth. So, yep, I'm. I mean, what do you want me to say? I'm fucking here for this goddamn movie. It's I-
1: yeah, you uh, yeah, you're very here for this movie. I, I'm just, I, I, still feel like I'm gonna get a trailer, and the one thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, there's no George Carlin. It feels weird. Like no, that's I'm gonna feel.
0: Yeah, that. but it will be, oh, yeah. and I, and I know, I know that they'll acknowledge it, and that they'll have like some sort of tribute kind of thing. And I so, should fucking hope so because it is, yeah. you know, the late great George Carlin. Absolutely.
1: Alright, so I don't really know what Tenet is about, but the trailer kicked ass. So let's talk about the trailer. Are
0: right, you guys talking about the trailer? Um, I'm going to actually watch the trailer because I haven't had time to yet. Guys, I've been fucking busy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I went and watched Rise of Skywalker today and was like, the thing I was most excited for, which is probably telling of my review of this movie <laughs> next week, is uh, I really wanted to see the Tenet movie in the theater and I didn't fucking have it. And I was like, this this sucks. Like, yeah. I got here on time yeah. for this movie. And I don't even get the trailer to watch on top of it. I did get to see the Mulan trailer for the first time, though. That does look not great. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it really, really does. I don't, I don't know how else to describe that one. I was like, wow, this is not awesome at all. Yeah. It didn't look good. It's so. like, what if we made Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, but worse and poorly. Well, they already did that with *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2 but on the Netflix. Wait, there was a sequel to that? <laughs> there was a Netflix sequel to it and I tried oh, I to watch, watch it and I I was just in stunned disbelief mm-hmm. the entire time. But, yeah. Uh, the Tenet. Tenet. The tenant fucking
0: intense.
2: But I mean, it's Christopher Nolan, so of course it does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a theory that Tenet is actually supposed to be like 10 and then 10 backwards because they can like move. Mm-hmm move back 10 forth, seconds in back time. in time so it's like 10 10 but like 10 it i was like that's cool
1: i love these christopher nolan like i'm not making a batman movie trailers because he just throws a bunch of shit at you and he's like yeah. fucking deal with this like i don't even i'm not explaining a goddamn thing till we get like till an hour into the movie i'm not explaining any of this <laughs> yeah so you just get to fucking deal with this till whenever july 2000 or 2020 like yeah. have fun theorizing because that's all the internet's doing now it's like what is this fucking movie about what's going on
0: Man, the cast is fucking crazy, too. It, it's cast. Is, it's a Chris Nolan movie. Fucking, you know what Mike, I mean? Yeah, Michael Caine. You got fucking Kenneth uh, Brownig in there. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Cast Robert is fucking bonkers.
1: Yep. It looks like it was shot. Like, it looks like they spent $3 million just, like, on lenses and stuff. Like, or whatever. Like, $300 million just on the cinematography. Because yeah, it's yeah. a well, like, shot, as per usual. So, at least the trailer is nicely cut. To
0: cool. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I
1: am bonkers. on fucking bored because yeah it looks fucking badass and it's just super slick so yeah chris nolan you apparently know how to make movies that i just want to watch repeatedly (laughs) so
0: see last week's episode
1: yeah, basically. Oh,
0: two weeks Two weeks ago. Two weeks? Two weeks yeah.
1: ago, yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago.
0: Last week was Knives Out. I'm, I've just apparently blocked that out. <laughs> yeah,
1: apparently. <laughs> apparently. That's okay. We're probably due for me blocking out a movie in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, mm. there's there's that. Mm. Speaking of sci-fi franchises, though, or not sci-fi franchises, but it looks like we are probably not definitely getting that Tarantino <sighs> Star Trek movie. Because yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but everything says either don't hold your breath or he's definitely on board. So but he's been out there talking about it all week and nobody knows exactly what's happening now. Although most of the headlines say, don't hold your breath, but it's Quentin Tarantino, man. He could decide he's going to do it tomorrow. And like, that's his next movie. So who fucking knows?
0: Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it'd be real weird if like his 10th and he's always said, like, I'm only going to do 10 movies. If his final movie was a Star Trek movie, that wouldn't feel right. So we'll see. Or maybe he fucking goes back on. I'm only ever going to do 10 movies. So, We'll see. How old is he now? Like he's got to be able to do more yeah. than like
1: he's got to be pushing sixty. Yeah, but like fucking George Miller's still working. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he couldn't badass. make another couple
0: movies at least.
1: Yeah, I don't. I just don't understand his mindset. Is like I'm just doing ten. Like why? Like you're fucking awesome. Make as many as you can till you fucking
0: drop dead. Because he's Tarantino. He likes to build yeah, up I legend guess. in his movies and himself. I guess, whatever. Yeah, it's bizarre.
1: I'd rather just have like a bunch of uh, once upon a time in Hollywoods happening like until he just fucking drops, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Then whatever, but what do I know? The last thing I had is that there's a bunch of premiere stuff this week. So obviously, uh, a certain sci-fi franchise had its final movie released this week, but we're not going to get into that cuz it's not important.
0: <laughs> Reviews are yeah, not great so far. Not great. There's some there's um, some solid ones and there's some not so solid ones, but yeah, those solid ones are wrong. Trust me, I went and saw it this
1: morning. <laughs> uh, we won't get into it. We won't get into
0: it. We will be talking hopefully. about it once Paul gets to see it, which will be a while, apparently. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you can cam it or something like that in between times,
1: so we can just review <laughs> it. But either yeah. way, also this week, Cats came out. So I know we've talked about this at nauseum. So I just wanted to bring out that it is up and like out
2: and review. And reviewers are so confused and do not oh, know. Reviewers what to do are with like permanently damaged. It seems like I have. <laughs>
0: that,
1: that movie's got a higher rating right now, like on Rotten Tomatoes, than uh, than No Rise doesn't. of Skywalker. Cats had like percent, not it anymore. Did. Oh, didn't it? Okay, because like there was something earlier today where somebody posted a story on Reddit that was like, "Yeah, this has a higher rating right now on Rotten Tomatoes," and I was like,
0: "Yeah, Rotten to, uh, Cats has twenty percent, and Rise of Skywalker is." 57%. Okay. 57 percent oh, okay no it's the second lowest uh two oh, meter score i think for a star wars movie either, though, but boys. <laughs> we'll see i mean it was this was always going to be a divisive movie so we'll yeah. see how divisive and who falls where and reviews for that uh are not yep. hot
1: also uh i know it's just for christy but the witcher <laughs> premiered on netflix uh, yeah. today. Yeah. not hot either yeah i was kind of looking forward to getting into that but i might
0: Yeah,
2: a lot of people are are, saying that, like, the first five episodes are, like, three different shows kind of mashed together because, like, the characters don't even meet until, like, episode five or six or something like that. And even after that, the...
0: Oh, so they dropped the whole season. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: it's Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. 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 People are not like pretty much not on board with like the three main characters. Two out of the three, everyone's saying are super boring. And that includes poor Henry Cavill, who just can't seem to catch a break with any of his roles. Poor Gerald. Yeah. Because he's such a delight to see like in certain things. And then like, so I know that he's a talented yeah, guy. When he, when he gets something good yeah. to play with.
1: I stand by Henry Cavill because I have seen Man from Uncle and Mission Impossible Fallout, and he's fucking awesome yeah. in both of those movies. Just awesome in both of them. So I like Henry Cavill, and he—they should. I don't know. Like my, I keep seeing stories about like WB doesn't know what to do with Superman, and I'm like. Well, that's real hard, you know, just, like, adapt a Superman story from the comics and put Henry Cavill in it and, like, let him play Superman and not, like,
2: shitty, mopey, emo Superman.
1: Yeah,
2: like, let Superman be nice, you know? Nice (laughs) Superman. It's just like, oh, anyway god anyway
1: that was anyway. all the news i picked up this week tim apparently has like five hundred thousand other things he wants to talk about so what's uh
2: i had a few uh nice. there's
0: the there's a couple fun ones this one i thought was weird but kind of cool because i'd take more of it um there's apparently a three-hour director's cut of dr sleep on the way i
1: like the movie i actually saw it a couple weeks ago i enjoyed it enough that i would i would watch a three-hour cut of it if it was
0: yeah, it's like 28 minutes more than the theatrical cut
1: there's probably some plot points that they chopped out that I could have used some more explaining on. Absolutely in that movie. So
0: and just like more cool, like fucking exploring the Overlook and shit like that. And I'll always take more of of the Overlook Hotel. It's like one of the most iconic settings of in horror of all time.
1: Yeah. Also, I don't know who played the the female lead in that the uh, the demon lady. Oh right. Yeah. Uh. Whatever the hat. Yeah, the hat. She was pretty awesome. So I quite enjoyed her. So she was that. indeed. So
0: The Amazon Lord of the Rings series cast somebody that is somebody who we actually know now. So they cast... Oh, fuck. what is her name? Somebody that we know, though, right? It's, it's a Galadriel they cast. Oh, okay. And it is a Welsh actress named uh, Morphid Clark. I don't know what else she has been in. But um, the weird thing is, is like everybody's calling this like young Galadriel. But in the second age, when this is set... Galadriel's already like 5,000 years old and probably looked exactly the same as she would have in Lord of the Rings. And so it's not instilling a lot of confidence in Tolkien fans.
2: Right. Yeah, because we need it like young, spry, sexy Galadriel that fucks. Eh.
0: Yeah. Hopefully eh. that's not the case. But I mean, it's, you know, people reading way into this shit. So we'll see.
1: That was, uh... Cate
0: okay, Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, yeah.
1: Blanchett yeah, in the uh, movies. Yeah. Yeah. You just get
0: her back she doesn't age so why don't we just get her back it's, it's very true expensive. yeah and it's I mean, probably too expensive and i'm sure part of it is that you know like so many fans of the movies have her in their head and anybody besides that is just not going to be acceptable so hopefully yeah. you know if they, they'll just get used to it or whatever if if it's worth getting used to and then this one i guess yeah this is the last one i am a longtime fan of the far side comics and gary larson had basically banned anybody from sharing them anywhere online like you could not look at look them up anywhere there was no website or anything for them until now so there is now a website where you can go look at old far side comics and that makes me happy
1: agreed actually that's uh i saw that news story today and i spent about an hour flipping through that website because uh yeah those far side comics are Awesome. And he's a surprisingly excellent illustrator. I like looking at his work. He's very, very good at just kind of encapsulating little scenes in that little square that he does. And it's.
0: Yeah, very, very. He's good at capturing like a lot of expression with very limited, you know, pencil strokes or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I like, I always like the
1: far side. That's one of those. It's kind of like in our house, it was always Calvin and Hobbes books floating around. Like there was always Calvin and Hobbes books fucking everywhere. But the other one that would be pretty common was far side would end up in the house a lot I like, like dad and Paul and I used to enjoy looking at yeah. those goofy comics
0: yeah so. my dad always had those books around the house as well and yeah. so i would those are like those are big time to books for me growing up yeah mm-hmm. i
2: mean oh, yeah. let's be real they were bathroom books yeah. they were like absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> they were books, that, books that you had in the bathroom for like pre pre yeah <laughs> yeah before we had phones you had you had comic strips
1: books in your fucking bathroom yep. i totally had a stack i probably still have a stack in the bathroom somewhere that is just like yeah
0: Calvin, Calvin, Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes and Fireside. I had a couple other ones that I yeah, liked. So. My mom, I always had better uh, for oh, better for worse. It's <laughs> <the> mushy, <laughs> yeah mushy. That was depressing yeah, as shit. Mushy, <laughs> not
1: my thing. But Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Give me some Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Still got to figure out how to do an episode about that. I don't know how to do that, but I would love to do an episode. Yeah, about Calvin. And Hobbs. Need
0: to do like a best of, best or yeah, because
1: that's I. Uh, I still pull out my. Uh, I have the big anthology with like all the strips in it. Which is ridiculously yeah. unwieldy to read; it's like an absolute edition. But uh, I'll still pull it out and like just sit there for a couple hours and read a couple storylines. Because
2: put it on your drafting table so you can read it properly. Basically, yeah, yeah. I have to sit it at like uh,
1: what do, what would you call that? Like a pulpit or something like that? Where yeah, it's, like, slanted that like has a, it's heavy enough that it can support the weight of these giant tomes. Preaching the gospel <laughs> of Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, there's worse things to do, I guess you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hobbes was a philosopher for our time. So, let's uh let's do that. Well, they're named after <laughs> the They're named after the, the philosopher, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a there's a rabbit hole to jump down, Calvin and Hobbes. Topical boys, yeah. topical. topical. That's uh yeah, exactly. All right, so we're through the news unless Paul's got something he wants to j- spring on me here.
2: Oh, just uh, like a quick Star Wars thing cuz Kathleen Kennedy was like no more trilogies probably. Oh, yeah. And that was I thought yeah. that was kind of significant because it's like given Mark's current reaction to Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I and personally don't think they have made a trilogy yet, so I don't know exactly <laughs> what she's
1: talking about. So there's that. Right. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to Geek of the Week, boys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> geek of the Week! Geek of the Week!
1: Which is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. So we're going to start with... Uh, let's start with Tim.
0: Okay. My Geek of the Week um, is... Pretty much, Star Wars has like been preparing for Rise of Skywalker. So uh, I've been my my parents are in town now for Christmas, uh, and so last night we rewatched Rise of Skywalker. I also introduced them to the first episode. Wait, of You rewatched no, Rise Fox, of uh, Sorry, Force Awakens. And uh, I uh, showed showed them the first episode of Mandalorian. And then tonight we're gonna uh, rewatch Last Jedi. And then we're going to see Rise of Skywalker tomorrow afternoon, which is Saturday afternoon for our listeners. Uh, so yeah, that has very, this has very much been a anticipatory Star Wars week for me. Nice.
2: Nice. Paul. I've been playing a lot of uh, the Pokemon masters mobile game. Cause the only other geeky thing that I did this week was watch Watchmen. So that doesn't really <laughs> count. Cause that was our assignment. <laughs> so like there was a legendary event where they've released Mewtwo and there's a lot of grinding involved to get him, And I didn't quite max him out, but he's almost there. So it was a very I still
0: don't have fucking Mewtwo. I need to get on that. Yeah. Pokemon
2: go and Pokemon go. Yeah. I got, I have a shiny Mewtwo and Psystrike Strike too, but like my Pokemon masters game is like, it's a gotcha game. So, you know, like there's random pulls for characters and stuff like that, but Mewtwo you could get just by completing quests. So did that max, almost maxed them out, enjoying my time with that game so far. So Yeah try Pokemon Masters on your phone if you haven't tried it yet, because it's pretty okay.
0: <laughs> pretty
2: okay. <laughs> I mean, I can't... It's not a ringing endorsement. <laughs> it's not a ringing... It's a Pokemon franchise, though. So, like, it's fine. It's better. It looks better than Pokemon Sword and Shield did, so whatever. Fair.
1: Fair. Um, yeah, so my Geek of the Week this week was... Like, it's kind of like Tim. Like, actually, it's kind of a mix of the two of yours, because not, not Pokemon, but, like, Watchmen and Star Wars. So I was getting ready for... I knew I was going to go see Rise of Skywalker this week, regardless of what I thought about Last Jedi. So I was like, I'm going to watch these movies again and see if maybe I get a different impression of them. I did not. <laughs> uh, and then I, so I watched the original trilogy also, which I still enjoy, although I still think Jedi is a fucking garbage pile by the <laughs> end of it. Thank God the Mandalorian's good. You know, like just thank God the Mandalorian's good. So there's that. Uh, so lots of Star Wars, and then I also like I, f- I finished Watchmen finally so this is my first time through, um, and we'll get into it. But I also read Doomsday Clock this oh, week.
0: Oh fuck, it's going to be my geek cred.
1: Yeah, which was heavy. And I need to kind of go back to it because I'm not sure if I really... I'm not sure what my take on it was yet. Like, I need to go back to it because it felt real herky-jerky as I was kind of reading through it. So I need to kind of sit down and concentrate It's also on
0: tough it. because shit was coming out like every two or three months. So yeah. it's, I, I really feel like I need to go back and read it again. Well, I'll talk about that more later.
1: But that's like the thing, like I went and sat down and just like read it as one, as like a trade, oh, yeah? right? like the way I would I, I reread Watchmen this week too, like just as a trade. And it's like, it, mm-hmm. it's pretty night and day where like Watchmen, you sit down and read those 12 issues. And you're like, holy fuck, that's a good story that I got all in one shot. Whereas Doomsday Clock, I'm like, holy shit. There's a lot of shit that happened in there. and I'm not really sure what the fuck happened at all. Yeah. So cool. But like, it's probably just I need to reread it. Whereas like, I've read Watchmen a hundred times right whereas
0: i mean probably one. the first time you read Watchmen, you had a pretty similar feeling to like Holy shit, a lot of shit happened there and it's gonna take yeah. a bit to unpack kind of thing not that i mean doomsday clock is not as good as Watchmen, but it
1: no and it's also like i feel like doomsday clock has a lot more like you you're really jumping around a lot more because yeah. you're expected it's not just like you don't need to just understand what's going on in the Watchmen universe like you do in Watchmen. it's like you also need to be pretty fucking up to date on what is happening yeah, with DC and continuity Earth. and like also knowing about rebirth in 52? And like, I know yeah. where those jobs and hops happen, but it's still like, this is a lot. And like, what version of Superman am I reading? Or like, what who, what Batman well, is part of this. The whole like, It's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's the thing. And it, so it gets really confusing. That's how they and I was everything
0: like, together at the end, but yes, I yeah. could see getting confused by it throughout. Yeah. Because I was like just reading through it, I was like, "This
1: is dense." Like I get it, but like
0: I'd like to, I'd a like to do here. an episode review in that. So I think we'll probably have a chance to read again. It's only twelve issues, so
1: yeah. I was going to say I will have to read it again before if we do reread or review it because it's not. It was an interesting sit for me the first time through. So that being said, it's time for me to the episode. So <laughs> meat nice. of the episode, dangling blue meat. Oh, Jesus, damn. <laughs> every fucking time, like every time. <laughs> every
0: time. Come on, like how, how was I going to do anything else? I don't know,
1: man. Like I, I, <laughs> that's like the one thing about this series that people seem to like really latch onto is the fact that like we're just going to have Doctor Manhattan's dick well, everywhere. Just I'm to- pretty
0: sure fucking Abar was latched onto that fucking just, just sh- that Python.
1: <laughs> Not uh, yeah, Python is a good fucking <laughs> word for it too. Like, ye gods. <laughs> It's like, I know he can control reality and stuff, but like realism, you know, (laughs) holy shit.
2: Anyway, this listener proves that straight men are just as obsessed with dicks as gay (laughs) (laughs) men are. We totally are. We totally are. That (laughs) did not need to be proven. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there's no fucking need to prove that at all. We all are. Dick jokes. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this week we are reviewing Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen. I got the... Emphasize that it's HBO's Watchmen because we just say Watchmen, we could be talking about the comic or that Zack Snyder thing that happened or 400 other things that have been called Watchmen without any kind of subtitle to it. But yes, HBO's Watchmen, the miniseries that just finished up last weekend. So, like, this is a. I'm trying to. I don't even know who the production team on this is. I know Damon Lindelof kind of produced and show ran it. Yeah. Along with a bunch of other people, obviously. And it stars Regina King and everybody else on the planet. So basically Jeremy Irons and a bunch of people whose names I did not memorize before we did. John Johnson
0: fucking Gene Smart, Louis Gossett, Jr.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mateen, who, you know, as black Manta yeah, from the Aquaman. Uh, Tim movie. Blake. Yeah. It was it's actually Blake really Nelson yeah. playing
0: something real fucking yeah. close to Rorschach. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, Oh, who's the one that played True? Hong Chow. Yeah. Real fucking amazing cast.
1: Yeah. Fantastic cast. So this is a sequel to the, comic book series Watchmen not the movie because they directly immediately start talking about giant squids which is going to confuse movie people i'm assuming which is good which is excellent yeah so it's it's based very strongly on the original uh alan moore and dave gibbons comic although obviously dave gibbons did some consulting work on this and it shows because some of the framing was definitely like inspired by his yeah pencils his art styles yeah yeah but obviously not a lot of alan moore participation as per (laughs) usual in these kinds (laughs) of projects (laughs) But I actually I had a good time with this, so let's just get right into it, and we'll start off with like basic impressions, first impressions, and stuff like that. So why don't we start with? We'll start. Who did I just start with? Start with Tim. We'll start with Paul this time.
2: I don't know. It's been a while since I've read the uh, Watchmen graphic novel, and so I reread it as well, and. It still holds up. I still absolutely adore it. So the only Watchmen kind of interaction I've had since then was the Zack Snyder movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I thought and a lot of people like sucking Rorschach's dick as a character on Reddit. Just a lot of that. So it's kind of like, I don't know where the what, what is this show going even going to be? And once I was done the first episode, I was like, obsessed (laughs) Uh, like i just i had to get onto that next episode right away once i was caught up week to week i was so pissed off because i really wanted to know what happened next my initial impressions were blown away and then set like i was just amazed by the quality of this show from uh, like every episode was so well conceived so first impressions were just like wow Pretty much. I was I wasn't expecting it to be this good, but it was so good. Yeah. Okay. Tim, what did you think?
0: I was pretty similar to Paul. Like I was captivated by the first episode. It's just it's one of those rare occasions where almost everything is working in like perfect sync. Production design's fucking outstanding. The performances are all great. It was written really tightly uh i mean i'm in the bag for it because like i'm a fucking long time dc fan i've got all of these are all of the original issues of watchmen like first prince which i guess i should probably fucking check how much those are worth right now
1: you should uh probably get those slabbed also <laughs> like why
0: wait do you have those loose still are they not slabbed uh no i don't have anything slabbed really Ooh, I would get those Watchmen books slapped, but that's Yeah, but maybe I want to read them again someday. Which I guess I could now do on like the DC Universe app. Grab a but... trade, you goon. Don't yeah. touch the originals. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh,
1: you know, you know me. I'm a fucking purist. I'm not even that guy usually when it comes to this kind of stuff, but like the watch like you have all twelve of the like original printings of the Watchmen trade like yep. miniseries, fucking slab them and <laughs> buy a house or something because i'm assuming the whole run's <laughs> probably worth at least not quite a fair that bit much, of but... probably not that much but i mean it's probably worth something anyway
0: so i mean i loved how much it did tie back to that original series i thought it was really well balanced between homages to that and and legacy from that series while also doing its own new things and shit like that so yeah i'm all up this fucking show's ass and i really really enjoyed it fair
1: now yeah you how much of the the sequel series, have you read? Because DC's done a number of like post Watchmen.
0: No series. sequel series. The only thing that they've done is before Watchmen.
1: Okay, right. But you read all that, right? Like you yes. read all. So you read everything that DC's published under the Watchmen banner at this point, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's what I was trying to get at. Sorry, I forgot because I haven't read any of those yeah. things.
0: And and those before Watchmen were. They were a mixed bag. There was some really cool shit in there, and there was some stuff in there that was just real weak and unnecessary. So I I look at that stuff sort of as like pick and choose what you consider to actually be canon kind of thing. Yeah, fair. Okay.
1: I'm pretty similar to the boys. I I don't think I was as glowing like right off the top. I think it took me a couple episodes to kind of really get into the groove of this. But I definitely, by the end, was just like, yeah, I'm 100% on board. Can we just have more? DC TV coming out of HBO as opposed to anywhere else at this point, I guess, after having watched Titans and a bunch of uh, crossover stuff last week. I was really kind of hesitating on this one and kind of came out a lot happier than I was expecting to. So I was pretty high on it. Also, the score... Just yeah, we're talk about it later. But yeah. holy shit, I love Trent Reznor. Like I just really like Trent Reznor' voice. Yeah, so it
0: was phenomenal.
1: Yeah. So since this is going to be one of those like where we blow this <laughs> episodes, why don't we start with stuff that we didn't? We had some issues with right off the top, so we can bitch and then we can you know proceed to gobble its shaft for the rest of the time that we do this. So uh we'll start with Tim this time. Do you have any? Did you mm. have any mm. issues with
0: it? I. I guess my biggest issue, which is almost a compliment is I was kind of frustrated with, we'll jump straight to the end. I was kind of frustrated with the way that it ended the first time that I watched through it. Cause I I've, I've watched it through entirely twice now, but I'm not, I'm one, I'm not surprised considering it is Lindelof and that's, we fucking like yeah. every season of Lost was like that, like massive cliffhanger. But when you look back and like actually watch the series all the way through and catch everything that they did with the egg and stuff, it there's no fucking ambiguity to what Mm -hmm. actually happens at the end. Mm -hmm. So my biggest issue right now is that we don't know if there's going to be more of this fucking show (laughs) from the sounds
1: of it. It's no, like I've been like, I've seen a little bit of both really, but like Lindelof doesn't seem to have an idea and nobody else is really contracted. So like, we'll see if they do more, but like, yeah. I'll take one. If they just do want to do one season and it's this fucking good and then they get out and like maybe this team goes and takes on something else, then like maybe we should yeah. do that. But I don't know. I would, like, I'll take more of this if they give it to me. I'm just, I'd be concerned about diminishing returns at that point, you know, like not yeah. I was, like how c- can they keep this level of quality?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't want them to go back and do it. If don't know if I'd want them to go back and do it. If, if it wasn't Lindelof involved, unless mm. they got somebody else of like equal amazing caliber, like get fucking like, like Vince, Vince Gilligan or like He's busy. We, we need him he needs to be finishing Saul for us. I don't want him <laughs> doing HBO
1: shit until he's done Saul.
0: Yeah. yeah or yeah, he can, yeah.
1: <laughs> he can so, do whatever the fuck he yeah. wants. Cause at that point, I just want to know what he's going to do next, <laughs> but like finish Saul first and then go do HBO shit.
0: Yeah. Or like the fucking, oh, it's the, the good place, uh, dude or somebody like that. Oh, or yeah. like, like somebody that can pull off this level of, of sophistication and TV. Yeah. Uh, so, And I do have, and and this is again, part of, you know, whether we get more of it or not, I do have some unanswered questions that are kind of niggling at me. And part of it is stuff that maybe if I went back and watched it again, because I haven't really had the time to like sit down and just watch, like I've always been having to do other stuff while I've been watching these episodes. So some of it might've been alluded to or stuff and I just didn't pick it up, but I'm sure at least a couple of them have been left dangling and that sort of stuff always pisses me off.
1: I think the biggest one that, that we got left dangling for me is Lube Man. Like, what? Where did he? Holy go? shit! And, like, what happened? Did, Lube, <laughs> Lube Man, <laughs> who was
0: a, that fucking like slide into the sewer, was apparently real. Was that was not. Yeah, that was practical. That yeah, was, was not fucking was CGI. Done, yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
1: Yeah. I like. I just. I when that stunt happened, like that bit happened, I had exactly the same. Like me and Regina King had exactly the same what expression the on our face. So I was like, what the yeah.
0: fuck. Like what <laughs> the fuck? But like, because that was for, crazy. for me. Like the the big unanswered okay. questions were like, where the fuck was Night Owl during all this? Like, is he still alive or not? Yeah. Why the elephant was connected to Abar? Like, I guess they were filtering the fucking memories through it because elephants never forget or some shit. What crashed in the field near the Millennium Clock that True is so concerned with getting? And who picks up Will Abar when he gets taken away in the car? Okay,
1: yeah. Didn't really think...
0: Like, hmm, maybe that was Night Owl, and we just never see him, or whatever, so...
1: That's a really short list of gripes, Tim. You're killing me.
0: There might be some other stuff <laughs> that kind of, like, comes up as we're talking about goods, like, the stuff I liked. but yeah. those are the only things that I was, like, really, like, I found this kind of frustrating.
2: Cool. Paul, did you have anything
0: you had irritation.
2: Really. I don't know. Like there was like the one part where it seemed like they were going to try to like justify the actions of the seventh cavalry in that part where Bob Benson from Mad Men is showing Laurie the video from Adrian uh, to Robert Redford. Is it Robert Redford? Yeah. 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 So the whole thing where it's kind of, they were ch- kind of, I know that the the Senator guy was supposed to be like a slightly ascended racist. Like he was supposed to be like a, a big brain racist, I guess. But like the fact that they've made that differentiation near the beginning was kind of gross. Like there's the Rube racist and then there's the high class political yeah. racists. But then they, I like that they kind of just were all the same by the end of it, they were all the same kind of racist. So they kind of fixed that. It's like, no, we don't have to have like big brain racists who were like, they were right about some things, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams <laughs> oh, bullshit kind of stuff you know like i don't yeah that's what i was that was the feeling i was getting from it but they course corrected on that but for a minute there i was like oh shit yeah. don't do this we don't need to add dimensionality to the fucking kkk <laughs> they're
0: nuanced like, they're good people on both sides paul we didn't even fucking talk god, about them both god sides. damn speaking of which Speaking of
2: racism and political power But overall Like I had so few gripes Also there was a weird thing In the episode Where we see Angela's Childhood and when her parents Die and they kind of The way that the flashbacks work Between her memories and her grandfather's memory Kind of equate the Vietnamese Suicide bomber to The white supremacists Which I found to be like Oh That's not a good equivalency to make. That is a weird thing that you did there. And I was not cool with that because like uh, the Vietnamese were obviously a colonized people at this point. So it like it was just a false equivalency moment. But other than that, other than that, I had no problems with it.
1: God, it must be exhausting watching TV the way you watch it these days.
2: (laughs) That's just where my brain goes. What can I say? I know.
1: That's what I mean. It just must be fucking exhausting because like I. All right. (laughs) yeah cool so we obviously everybody liked the show a lot um i can't even. i'm i'm trying to think of something to gripe about and i'm like i like it's over is basically the only thing i have <laughs> to bitch about it's yeah. like i don't get to watch yep. more of it because like at this point we're gonna lose mandalorian at the end of this week too and it's like i got nothing else to watch like there's nothing else to look yeah, forward no, to until like, like february or whatever you get
0: a fucking winter soldiers like next december like better call Saul is like uh i thought winter i thought winter
1: soldier was like january but if it's next december then i'm getting gonna be really fucking depressed yeah <laughs> it is
0: falcon and the winter so i think i just looked this up this this past week because like i remember i keep remembering you saying like oh it comes soon it comes soon but i was like
1: we get picard soon too actually picard's coming late like in january falcon so and winter like
0: soldier that. is expected to release in late 2020 no actual release date
1: yet. Oh, why did I think it was the new year? This sucks. All right. Which makes
0: annoying. sense because my friend is working on costumes for it right now.
1: Right. Well, they're shooting it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've seen yeah. people like shoot. Like I've seen, I just saw pictures of Dude in his new Winter yeah. Soldier outfit. So uh, Sebastian's fan. Yeah, Sebastian Stan of Bucky.
0: Yeah, and so, I mean, it's going to have, you know, a bunch of post-productions. So. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, they're supposed to be movie quality. I just assumed they were way further ahead. I didn't realize we were like that. I thought it was, like, coming sooner. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize for getting all excited. But <laughs> something so, that I'm excited Better about Call Saul. Is, you know, coming till next year.
0: Better Call Saul comes,
1: like, February. <laughs> yeah, we get Picard and Better Call Saul, like, right in the New Year. So, that's not Yeah, right. yeah. That's kind of... Okay, cool. So, I'm just going to let you guys talk about what you liked, because this is kind of where we just talk about what you guys liked. <laughs> because that's what is the next section so (laughs) i had a bunch of stuff that i really enjoyed like almost every performance on the show was awesome absolutely Mm -hmm. cinematography was fantastic which is always a nice thing to see because when they actually spend the time and like because i was looking i was reading Watchmen as i was watching this too like i kind of had it in front of me and i was seeing like panels getting replicated yeah kind of stuff like i was recognizing like layouts and stuff i was like man they really looked at dave gibbon's layouts and like worked them in to the way they shot the show which is awesome yeah and then uh fucking Trent Reznor and 90%. Atticus Ross. Just like just the music selections, first of all. And I'm like, this is one of yeah. those things where I'm like, we gotta stop talking about everybody having good needle drops in their shows because everybody always seems to just have good needle drops. Like everybody just spends the money now and gets the, the, the good needle shit. drop they need. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Some of these wouldn't have been particularly expensive needle drops, right? Like some of these are no. fucking like 70, 80 year old songs that were just perfectly inserted yeah. kind of thing. Whether they were perfectly yeah. inserted. In the actual time period or, you know, in a a sort of juxtaposition kind of moment.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess they'd spent the time with uh, Trent and Atticus, like actually doing all the music too. So like, I guess they picked all those two. I'm not sure how how involved they were with the actual music selections, but like the score, they were, they were involved so much with the score. I assume they must've had some
0: kind of say in music overall. And they took that page from the Westworld book with some of those like amazing fucking covers, Covers. the five years, not five years, Life on Mars and Never Gonna Dance Again covers in particular really stood out to me
1: yeah no, uh, that was all my that was all good yeah. shit i like all the music the music was actually really good in the show yeah. i was, uh i've been going back into this because they've been launching like volumes of the soundtrack so like the score and the uh selected music like the pop kind yeah, of stuff yeah you can
0: buy three volumes on vinyl now
1: yeah and they've been putting them up on spotify as they come out so yeah. i have been listening to them this week just because like all that trend resner like ambient stuff is is actually really good it's yeah. fun but it's nice to work too too so
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, that score, those score elements just fit perfectly with the tone of the show for me, because like even scenes that if you were just to watch them without the score wouldn't have felt particularly like menacing, but like that score everywhere that it needs to sets like that perfect undertone of like dread and suspense and discomfort and yeah, oh, It's just, yeah, so good. I couldn't imagine why they hired Trent
1: for that.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I found it a little bit discordant to hear like Blade Runner esque kind of eighties movie because I guess it, it just made me think of Stranger Things too much and like that type of soundtrack, especially like in daytime oh, like scenes. Carpenter, yeah, yeah. synth heavy uh, in, in daytime scenes when I always expect that to be more of a nighttime neon light Blade Runner moment kind of thing. Mm. But as the series progressed, I got more comfortable with it. And then I was, I was on board with it. It just took me a second to kind of like readjust my expectations for what that sound kind of indicates. Like, yes, you can have that level of dread in broad daylight because that's the way that the series sets up all these crimes happening in broad daylight. You kind of need to yeah. have that level of dread all the way through because the, yeah. the Tulsa race massacre, see Jesus does yeah a lot. Yeah. So yeah,
0: but I love the music. Let's go back to that. Like, yeah, well, I mean, talking about one of the things that I really enjoyed the most was that blending of actual and fictional history. So like bringing that Tulsa race riot was really fucking effective and the way they weren't doing it, like just to fucking, pander or anything like that. Like they actually incorporated into the story really well. Um, And I think that that was one of the things that really helped was really effective at helping audiences to buy in. And I think that that's one of the main reasons that this show has had so much crossover appeal as it has, because there are people that have never read the graphic novel that have been watching this show. And Mm -hmm. I mean, they're now probably being like, I want to go back and fucking read it, but it helped to get a lot of people hooked by bringing in those actual elements. And, to bring it back to real life. I was amazed at the number of people like on Facebook and shit like that, that were posting about how they ha- were, had no familiarity whatsoever with those race riots and in, in Oklahoma. Right. I can't claim to be intimately familiar with them myself, but I also wasn't educated in the U S but I at least had a passing knowledge of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody said that I would have been like, Oh yeah, I remember a little hearing, you know, some shit about that. And that sounded fucking terrible. But I mean, that's, And that's like the fucking first scene that we see and really sets the tone for everything, gets us off to a super powerful and impactful
2: start. Yeah. I had the same reaction where I was watching it with my Korean boyfriend who like his Western,
0: yeah, no
2: knowledge of history is like kind of limited to Australia because that's where he studied and stuff like that. So he mm. asked me, like, did this really happen? I'm like, yeah, pretty sure it did. But I, I like secretly double checked him. Like, am I crazy <laughs> to the thinking like this actually did happen? And then I was like, no, it did happen. I was right. But like it was it's one of those moments in history that people like just don't talk about. But and, like it was a period in history where black people were thriving in America and then white people got pissed about it and it sh- and did some really horrible things. And the fact that it was featured in the show has
0: actually had some really cool real life impacts because there's been renewed interest in it. So well, I don't know if I'd say this is cool, but one thing they've they're now reporting that they think that they've found one of the mass graves of the victims. Which, because you know, basically yeah. they just stopped looking because people kind of lost interest, and then the show came around. I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like. And now people are being like, okay, now we can, you know, leverage this to like, start actually doing more historical research into it. And they also found like a lost account of it in some like obscure fucking like library or like a, a museum piece, like a journal or something like that. They found a really somebody's personal, really detailed account of it. And so we're getting all this new information about this event that happened almost 100 years ago as well.
2: Yeah. And a good timing too, so that people can remember how shitty white supremacy can be in a like more tangible way. Like, because a lot of people are like, "We're not Nazis. Nazis are from Germany." Kind of like bullshit stuff. Where it's like, "Well, this is what happens when that kind of shit happens on American yeah. soil. It happened," you know right in America yeah, yeah. so you know
0: And then and I was really impressed as well talking about sort of the alternate history stuff about um how they depicted sort of the alternate history of Vietnam as now US8 after Dr Manhattan goes in and for starters that fucking Dr Manhattan scene where they actually show him like going through and just wrecking the Viet Cong was also really fucking well done too and just amazing both how it was framed and and shot and everything. And in terms of the effects, but yeah, I really liked how they depicted Vietnam. Like this is probably pretty close to what would have fucking happened if Vietnam had actually been like basically colonized by the U S after that war.
1: Yeah. It was one of those weird things from the comic where you're like, they don't really touch on it, but like, I liked that you got to kind of see what the fallout of them having, like sending their superhumans or their superhuman, I guess, over to Vietnam and get involved with that conflict, right? Where they, they turn Vietnam into the 51st state, which they mentioned in the comic, but you never get to see how that pans out. Whereas now we have kind of an idea of how that panned out. And like, there was a mass, like maybe not mass, but like there was an exodus of black Americans over to, is it Crayon, Vietnam? Yeah, yeah, to Saigon. Yeah. to. Like just start a new life in a, in theory, more equi- like equal world kind of thing yeah. or country where there's
0: not as much preju- prejudice against you and
1: yeah. yeah, but like given given the Asians' usual response to black people, that's not maybe the safest bet. But okay, maybe
0: <laughs> in the 60s it was different. I don't know, but okay. Yeah, Say I don't know. I don't know. Like I know that Asia in general has a lot of issues with black people, but I don't know about Vietnam in particular.
2: Well, colorism exists in all of these places but i'm i'm no expert on it but i've definitely firsthand seen like stuff about people who are have lighter skin are more desirable in asia just like it's been a thing in history for a really long time whatever like it was weird to see it as like vietnam is a as a colonized state and like fully american and like that kind of response to it made a lot Mm -hmm. of sense And it was just kind of weird to see it from the very American perspective where, and we didn't really get to see it much from the Vietnamese perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. But it was, it was really interesting. And that burgers and borscht place, (laughs) like fast food borscht. Okay. (laughs) Like, sure. This is an alternate history where people like beet soup. So that's fine. That's a, yeah. Well, it's like that alternate
1: history where, like, the Soviet Union never collapsed, right? Like, it's still Soviet, like, Russia, kind of, I guess, in uh, the Watchmen yeah. universe. So, like, mm. stuff that you would like, uh, typically associate, like, the like the super communist Bolsheviki stuff that you think of from, like, the 80s. And, like, that we remember Tetris being, you know what I mean, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better term. Like, that's just, this, that's still reality at that point because yeah. the wall never came down or whatever, or the wall never went up, or I don't I have no idea what that universe is like after yeah. World War II. So who knows, yeah. right?
2: Well, they to only talk about the Russian thing very briefly in that moment where the senator talks to the press in that little brief pref, press yeah. conference. And he's they're like, what are you, are you guys worried about what's happening in Russia right now? And it's like, I'm not here to talk about the Russians. I'm here to talk about the Seventh Cavalry. And uh, but that was a nice little touch. Yeah. It's like Russia's still doing shit. Even though, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, they're still doing shit now. It's just like, you know, I mean, unless you ask a Republican, in which case there are our allies, but you know, yeah, crazy people are crazy. So that's fine. Yeah. So we talked a lot about, about like the kind of thematics of it, but like, so what else did we like? So we've got, I'm just trying to think about like episodes or like, I mean, we could talk about the performances at this point. Like it's basically kind of all there to talk about.
2: Yeah. Regina King. Let's start with Regina King because she was the linchpin of the entire series, like being the main character and was fucking incredible from the, from the jump. Like just throughout the entire series was incredible. Yeah.
0: She clearly bought right the fuck into it. Like, and that you have to do that to make something like this work. And, what I was most impressed with, I think in terms of performances, like there were individual performances that were phenomenal, but when you got a couple of some of the fucking permutations of those performances, like when you got, you know, X against Y, it just fucking took it to a whole other level. Like the scenes with Regina King with a bar and Lori Jupiter. Yeah. uh, Like fuck, they played off each other. So fucking well with Lori against Mr. Glass with fucking Jeremy irons with Vite against lady true with fight against mm-hmm. fucking Manhattan, like all that shit was just like, this is perfect. I, this like, this is exactly how this conversation needs to go. And yeah, I was, I was left mm-hmm. blown away by those, by those like two shots.
2: Yeah. yeah. It always felt like those, the characters were established really quickly and felt really like true and consistent all the way through. And like the, I think that my favorite like culmination of that was the second to last episode where dr manhattan and angela are having their first there's quote-unquote first meeting a- in the bar walks in or, uh, god yeah. walks, into A-bar. walks
0: into a bar yeah. yeah
2: and they like everything about regina king's facial expressions the way that she's like laughing and talking shit to dr manhattan and is just in utter disbelief but also kind of buying in very intrigued like the nuances of her performance in that entire thing because she had to do all the heavy facial work right because it was yeah, uh, like he was wearing a mask, he was wearing mask. Face and- yeah, yeah. And- which was an
0: interesting choice too not to show manhattan's original face before he adopted cal's face
2: yeah which uh, yeah, yeah it was a, it was a good choice i think like i don't yeah. think they were they were ever going to get billy crudup to come back and his <laughs> like very detached uh, dr manhattan voice it, part of me wonders
0: if it was a budgetary thing if they were like hey we can only afford to pay one person to play Manhattan. So we can't actually show your face (laughs) or we have to, we have to show you pretending to be somebody else's face as Dr. Manhattan or something.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, either way it really worked. worked. And like, and Regina King sold every moment of that episode. Like she's badass, and I love her in the action scenes too, but that like her sitting at a table, just fucking shooting the shit with Dr. Manhattan Mm -hmm. was such a delight that a whole hour of television was just one of my favorites of the whole year just loved it and
0: the way that they executed in that scene and in that whole episode doctor manhattan's ability to see all of time at once and to be present at multiple times you know oh. mentally was i was really impressed with the writing of how they pulled that off
1: yeah i'm actually surprised they were able to do that as cogently as Alan Moore did in the original comic. Like I never had a moment where like he started veering into talking about what he was seeing and his like uh, his ability to see through his entire life, like his entire timeline at all times kind of thing. It never was confusing or leading in a weird way. Like they weren't doing it intentionally because like, that's a, Narrative device, like where if you're talking about time travel and like looping back to something that's already happened, or it's easy to get lost. You're referring forward, yeah. It's really easy to get lost in that kind of thing, and I think they did a really good job of keeping that cohesive because that's one of those ideas that we're used to on a day to day basis. But like, this is a show that is now garnering an audience that is maybe outside of this sphere. Although at this point, I mean, 23 Marvel movies later, who the fuck's outside this sphere now? Yeah, <laughs> but like that stuff's like that's heavy time travel sci-fi stuff to worry about and it's kind of subtle too because you're just listening to the dialogue you're not actually seeing him snap between the time periods you're just kind of having that reference like consistently happening that was actually one of my big takeaways from doomsday clock is like jeff johns doesn't do that as well as alan moore did and like the writers of this show did so i was getting confused by some of the narration in that book whereas this one i was like anytime he started talking i kind of had an idea immediately of what he was talking about regardless of what they were showing me on screen. Like I knew what he was referring back to, or they were very good about explaining what he was referring forward or back to so that I wasn't like, I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about anymore. This is just annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
0: and also talking about performances, the one thing and this is just Jeremy Irons sold this so fucking well was seeing Vipe get humbled over and over and over again yeah. was so amazing and pretty fucking satisfying for anybody that's read the original series as well. Yeah.
1: Especially if you just read Doomsday Clock also cuz he's yeah. <laughs> kind of a giant piece of shit in that too. So seeing him get kind of fucking owned in this was like was pretty good for me. Yeah. Um, also, Jeremy Irons, just like chewing the scenery on a Shatner-esque level Ooh, throughout yeah. this entire oh, yeah. thing. Like he was having such a fucking blast
0: doing Magnificent.
2: this. Magnificent. Yeah. Like just <laughs> over the top. Yeah. I like that they played Adrian Veidt almost completely comedy through the whole thing. Like it was so surreal and absurd. Every single scene that he was in pretty much that I was just kind of like, are they going like full comedy with Osmanius? And I was like, they are. And I'm totally down. Yeah. Some of his scenes were so silly, like that trial scene with the pigs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was weird.
1: There's some weird shit, especially and, when he was off in that pocket dimension. Like some of that stuff was like bordering on surrealist. Dada is kind of like, oh, yeah,
0: scenery and stuff. pulling the fucking like half formed babies out of the water and shit. Yeah. And, like it was very shit. or even shit.
2: Re- recreating the Doctor Manhattan thing with like burning his the servant alive, Mister Phillips alive yeah. in that, yeah. and then you get to be the new Mister Phillips and he looks all excited and I'm just like, oh Jesus Christ, yeah, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is really just dis- weird, but really well done.
1: Yeah, that whole bit with the the catapult or whatever, the trebuchet, I guess is probably what it's more accurately called. But either way, like that, where he's launching them out into the atmosphere, and then he like that whole thing. I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's like a long acid trip that I'm having that involves like Ozymandias from yeah. Watchmen. Like, I don't know what's going on at all. Like, what has happened? yeah yeah like
2: and how did it all tie in like i was kind of like it wasn't until that last episode that
1: was my other question it was like five episodes (laughs) in and i'm like what the fuck are they doing like is he gonna tie back into the main plot ever and they do obviously get there but it was like it was a couple episodes where they just like they just let it go like it was like the the epilogue to the episode or like the beginning the opening tag of the episode and then you never see it again it was like What's going on? Can we, what? I don't Where understand. Where is
0: he? What's happening? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah.
1: What is happening? Some, and why, yeah. Why is everything that looks like an Escher painting that's coming out of his scenes and the rest of this stuff just looks like the comic books. I mean, I'm very confused about what we're trying to do here, but. And that's Lindelof, right? They looped it back in very nice. Yeah. yeah. But
0: it's it's oh, yeah, super yeah. losty in the way that they do. weave seemingly disparate stories together, ultimately link everything via like the hooded justice and mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan to tie it back to everything originally and like yeah i was pretty impressed with the writing and how they did weave like there's so many different things going on and then ultimately it all kind of comes together in those last two episodes yeah it
1: could have gone so wrong yeah i always like it when you refer back to lost as like a a successful (laughs) writing endeavor
0: the first the first couple of seasons, for sure. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, what it's like? Hey, we have to pay this off. We're just not going to. Yeah. We're just going to keep adding shit until we yeah. get canceled. Basically,
0: yeah. well, <laughs> maybe
2: maybe Lindelof learned. His enjoy lessons.
1: looking at Evangeline Lily for the next couple of years, boys. Yeah. Is basically what that show was about. And so. I did, and we all did, because
2: they don't do what JJ Abrams fucking pisses me off with with his mystery box approach. Like they add mystery, just seed shit in right? without. Yeah. They,
0: Oh boy, I'm excited for Paul to see Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's a problem he's well, having.
2: <laughs> they, they add mysteries to the story after they've established certain things. Like, it's not constantly questioning, well, what's going on. They tie things up and then leave things dangling or add complexity after they've done the legwork of doing other things in the story to keep us engaged with it. And that's what, like, Lindelof yeah. does. JJ Abrams better than JJ Abrams does in my opinion, because he seems like if you're going to have this mystery box approach to your shows, you have to have a a better plan than most people do. Like breaking bad did not plan out its finale to the nth degree. They had like an idea of where they were going well, he
1: knew yeah, where he was going. Like, that's the one thing Vince Gilligan will always tell you. He, was, like, he had it road mapped out and that's why those shows always track so great is because he kind of knew where he was going the entire time. But
2: let things happen organically as time goes on. Yeah. But like when you have uh, a show that depends on the mystery approach, like you've got to have it super, super plotted out the way a mystery novel is plotted out. And I think that HBO's Watchmen did that really, really well. Like nothing that came of this show where i was i was like oh this was an unsatisfying ending to this plot no everything was pretty satisfying as time Mm -hmm. went on you know like just saying good writing overall
0: and i thought that the pacing was really strong as well which is obviously mostly a function of the writing too like the first episode in particular i was really happy with the pacing because we got a little bit of everything to sort of wet our whistle like we got put a justice we got like Rorschach references we got Ozymandias references we got uh, Dr. Manhattan so we got like a little bit of everything that fans of Watchmen wanted to kind of get hooked but gave us enough new stuff to really be like okay this is also its own thing
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it was just uh, yeah there was just enough of the previous series early on with like the squid yeah. rain I was like like, as someone who had read the graphic novel, I was watching this with someone who had not seen anything Watchmen before. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, hey,
0: <laughs> this is so great. It's an interdimensional incursion. <laughs> I- but not
1: really. Yeah. When they actually showed the squid, I was like, man, they're they're just like going right for the comic. And I'm 100% on board for them not fucking shying yeah. away from that. Because like, that was one of my big problems with the a Snyder adaptation was like the nuke thing. I'm like, that's so trite. Like that's so like you do that in any story, but like the, what made the Watchmen interesting, which they did that big, weird sci-fi thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they did the comic book thing and applied it to the real world situation. And that's what made it fucked up. Whereas like when you do the nuke thing, it kind of neuters the whole thing. Cause they, that can just happen in the real world. Like that's happening right now yeah. or whatever. Whereas like when you have like the big fucking weird squid that like basically falls on top of Manhattan. Yeah also just seeing that in like fully oh, yeah. like, fully rendered out and like all hyper detail and stuff. I was like, holy shit, they really like went for the gusto on this thing. Like they showed me the squid and it
0: looked and awesome. And not only that, but uh, when you see Mr. Glass's like sort of origin in the carnival and the house of mirrors and everything where he goes yeah. out those, were yeah, excellent. he goes out and sees the fucking like aftermath of, of that psychic squid attack and just everybody laying yeah. down with their fucking blood just pouring out of their ears and Whew. Which is another thing, like,
1: it's one of those things we didn't really see in the comic, right? Like, it's something they refer to as, like, the incident and all these people going crazy. Like, but, like you get, like, one panel flashes to it, where which doesn't really give you a ton of context for it. Whereas, like, you got to spend, like, you got to watch the actual yeah. event happen, which we never really saw before. And it answered a lot of questions I had about like how bad was the initial yeah. event you know what i mean <laughs> because they, they give you numbers and like numbers are stats at that point and like they offhandedly mentioned the psychic trauma that was incurred by all these other people that didn't die in the initial blast and stuff but you never really see that in the comic right whereas this show where like because you get to live with looking glass for however many episodes eight nine episodes he kind of shows you what that mm-hmm. process would have actually been like which was kind of cool for like a fan of the comic to see like the fallout and like actually walk through the event and then see the fallout was very informative for me, I guess. Yeah.
2: And I thought that showing the fallout of the superhero lifestyle with Lori similarly was really well done because like yeah. she she was affected by the events of the original graphic novel in a very different way than other people, but the fact that she's just so, so over it. Yeah. Just like, oh, like you're gonna do your speech now, white yeah. supremacist. <laughs> like, okay, just know that I do not give a shit. <laughs> it was just like Yeah, like like it all made sense to me. That characterization was awesome. Gene Smart's performance when she's telling those jokes in the yeah. uh, Manhattan booth was fucking great, too, by the way. But she's like, I'm the girl who threw the brick. Ah, yeah. I love that. Absolutely. That so well done. Yeah. yeah, I think, so yeah, there's just there's so much done well in
0: the, the pacing and the writing. Like there's, you're given just enough. This is a perfect example of a slow burn story, right? Like there's some slow burn stories where you're just like, fuck, I've lost interest after two episodes, but then you get something like this where they're, they're teasing you with just enough to let you think like, what the fuck was that? And to wet your whistle for more. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. And you guys haven't rewatched. You've only watched one so far. Yes. Yes. Okay, so there are definitely things that you do pick up on, On for me at least, on the second watch-through that allude to later things. Like, I was already talking about the egg earlier. Or, like, yeah, Abar talking with her husband, with Cal, before you know that he's Dr. Manhattan, about Dr. Manhattan not being able to look human, where she obviously knows that that's not true, and about him being on fucking Mars and shit like that. Or when Cal talks to his kids about there being no afterlife. Like, that's oh, such yeah. a Dr. Manhattan fucking thing to do, right?
2: yeah definitely
0: there
1: was uh there was definitely some stuff where like they were foreshadowing him being dr manhattan that hinted at it a little bit earlier like if you were you had just read the comic you'd catch dialogue that hinted to it like i picked it up probably earlier than they wanted me to because he kept saying shit that dr manhattan literally says in the comic Mm. and the afterlife thing was the big giveaway because that's episode what like four or five yeah he says that to the girls yeah and i was like oh i was like wait are they really? Gonna- I was actually annoyed by that because I was like, "Are they going to make this world so small that her husband's Doctor Manhattan?" Like at first, that annoyed me because I was like, "Oh fuck! Of course, everything's connected. Like it's a TV show. It's like one of those like TV shows where everybody's fucking yeah, related." Little
0: box kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I was really annoyed by that at first, but they played it out so nicely that I was like, "Oh, this all completely makes yeah. sense." And like just because they're using the time travel or like his ability to see his entire timeline all at the time, it makes sense that he would like meet her and then go back and find her and like know that he had fallen in love with this person and like have be at the right spot to meet her properly and do all that stuff so i
0: was like okay or she unintentionally is the one to set everything in motion and yeah yeah that realization where she's like fuck is this my fault did i start all this was so so well done and so so fucking earned
1: yeah well that's and they, exactly like so they earned the whole thing whereas at first i wasn't sure if they were going to and that was like so that was something that i probably would have put in gripes at like mm. before i finished watching it but then i got to the end and i was like oh wait they actually paid all that off regardless like it, it all felt earned by the end so yeah. cool good on you hbo's Watchmen. yeah absolutely <laughs> quality is there anything like particular episodes or moments that we want to shout out before we keep going, like we move along here, like, Hey, I'm trying to think of anything else we haven't talked about. The
2: yet. hooded justice about- flashback episode. We didn't talk about.
1: Yeah. That was my first thing I wanted to bring up that episode. Like just that was the episode that I was like, Oh wait, this is not just another good cable show or Netflix show or whatever. Like you want to call it like another good premium cable show. It's, like, next level above that. Like, we're into, like, Breaking Bad, uh, Sopranos territory. Yeah. Where it's just like, wow, this episode, it's probably the best thing I've watched on TV all year.
2: Yeah, And to me, was very, so quintessentially Watchmen in terms of, like, yeah. its execution, the way that it, it built the characters, the way that it framed Hooded Justice. Like, that scene where they shoot adrenaline into Angela's heart as Hooded Justice is jumping through the window, and they're frozen in that comic book frame that mm-hmm. that splash page yeah. and you, and they're going and she's just frozen in that moment that felt like such a watchman moment to me for some reason
1: that whole sequence felt like like there was i'm not exactly sure how to phrase it but like the way lindelof wrote a lot of the scenes and like just the way everything like the characters acted and the dialogue was delivered and stuff it felt true to alan moore's writing which yeah. is a tricky fucking thing to do you know what I mean? Especially Alan Moore's writing because he's a wackadoo, and his <laughs> stuff can be very strange. But like, it felt like it belonged in the same universe, yeah, universe as like what Alan Moore had originally written for that twelve issue miniseries. Agreed. Or so like, I was, and this, that was exactly the episode where I was like, wait, this feels like what a Watchmen sequel should actually be. Like, this feels like a proper Watchmen sequel because that's always been my thing. Is like, if you can't hit that tone, which yeah. is fucking hard to yeah. hit. You should never do Watchmen. Like they, I always get pissed when DC does Watchmen stuff. Like Doomsday Clock. At first, I was like, and maybe even now, I'm still like, do we need to? <laughs> don't touch Watchmen. Yeah. Like it's one of those books where I'm just like, just don't fucking touch it. I take that back after watching this show and that episode in particular, the Hood of Justice episode in particular, because I was like, holy shit, Lindelof somehow just knows how to channel enough Alan Moore to make this feel like an Alan Moore story and yeah, fucking kudos to him for that.
0: And it was so fucking satisfying watching Hooded Justice beat the shit out of a bunch of clan members and then, (laughs) and then going back and fucking gunning them down later. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. In 2019, that was was exactly what I needed to see on TV.
2: Yeah. yeah, I was having a good time
0: watching yeah. that shit. Uh,
2: so uh, so that was I was really impressed with... So, you know how they have that American Hero TV show? Mm-hmm. Where they showed Hooded Justice mm-hmm. as Cheyenne Jackson, who's a well-known gay actor. He was in 30 Rock. He was Danny in 30 Rock. I was going to say, I was like, that's Danny with black hair, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and ripped, like, super jacked. Yeah, yeah. Like, he looked huge. Yeah. So, he's a well-known gay actor. So, I was like, when they were like, oh, no, he's actually black. I was like, so, does that mean that he wasn't gay or something but then it was like no he's black and gay and i was like oh yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe not gay but bi or queer i was in some whatever, whatever. yeah point being i was like non-hetero <laughs> non-hetero i was like yeah. oh good so they're doing both and we don't have to like do this thing where it's like the big secret like being gay is like the dirtier secret, less secret or like less of a secret or like one of the yeah it's just i don't know
1: i guess in this case it would be less of a secret yeah. right because like they were fine with him being gay and that was the movie yeah. it was about a, a white gay man and as opposed to being about a black gay man like they whitewashed yeah and that was
2: the bigger deal yeah. yeah america
1: ladies and gentlemen in a nutshell yeah. right there
2: the whole idea of like you have to put on that white makeup because a, a white man in a mask is a hero all that stuff yeah Oof.
0: and yeah and along with that like he's you know both gay and black like i thought that they treated intersectionality of various social issues really well in this series overall so there was that but there was also like combining issues of police violence and oversight with like issues of america's racial history because you've got like you're never quite sure where to come down on like Police wearing masks, right? Because you've got like Abar, who her fucking family was like gunned down, and yeah, you yeah. know protecting their identity, and then like shit, like they wear masks to protect their identity, which seems sketchy. But then they have to request yeah. permission to unlock their f- firearms, and like cases where like their life is legitimately in danger, and. So,
2: yep. Like, and i love the the ambiguity of how that culminates in adrian's final line about masks where he says it shows the true person when they're wearing a mask that he doesn't say if it's good or bad he yeah. just it's true yeah. and i was just like that is exactly the right yes god yes it was such a great kind of like bow on that
0: yeah both sides of the aisle assuming basically Superhero identities like fetishizing, you know, the the cops are basically trying to frame themselves as superheroes. They've given themselves fucking fancy names and everything. And then the the Calvary is fucking emulating Rorschach and wearing Rorschach masks and everything. And so like Mm it leaves all that very ambiguous. And I thought that in that way, it played really well on obviously really currently relevant themes, but in a way that walked a really fine line between like satire and reality.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also like that, like, you get to take the big fuck you to all those uh, Rorschach fanboys by, like, hey, like, they just turned him into the clan in this show. How's that working for you, boys? Because, like, that's what Alan Moore wanted you to take away from that character originally. Like, there's this awesome quote with Alan Moore where, like, somebody runs up to him and is like, oh, Rorschach is me. Like, I idolize Rorschach. And he was like, just stay the fuck away from me then. Yeah. Because, like, I he's not a character you were supposed to emulate you know what I mean like it was I didn't yeah. create that character to be idolized um because he's a fucking lunatic right <laughs> and you're not supposed to idolize that guy but like people really get into that character so I like the fact that they took the Rorschach character that became very popular and like meme worthy because of that Zack Snyder movie like everybody was super like oh Rorschach's so badass and I'm like you're not supposed to like it yeah. did you guys read the comic <laughs> you're not supposed to like that okay cool i just know that i don't need to talk to you guys yeah, then because exactly. that's something you think that's cool but i like that they took the fucking just broad shot and we're like yeah the white supremacists have taken rorschach as their patron yeah. saint for lack of a better term and fuck you guys basically yeah. <laughs> all you little rorschach idolaters i guess yeah
0: and then the racial element that they add in between like the calvary cyclops which ends up being the whole same fucking thing and dr manhattan considering yeah. manhattan had taken the form of a black man towards the end as well so like that was a really interesting addition as well and
2: yeah and just the fact that in the end like the seventh cavalry were so small potatoes compared to like the bigger picture stuff yeah they were trying to be
0: manipulated by true and
2: yeah Yeah, being manipulated by true but also believing that they have this like bigger part to play in the universe when really they just they're just not particularly that yeah. big. No one considers them that big of a a universal threat on the level of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And when they tried to like achieve that, well, we ended up with like, senator pudding or whatever the hell That's also so satisfying and and and
0: like telegraphed so fucking hard but i didn't care because it was so satisfying
2: well like
1: when he was doing his whole like ramp up to whatever i was like he's gonna get fucking nuked in there right like they're just gonna liquefy him i was like all right cool and then when she opened the thing and he just he fucking pours out i was like
2: yeah that's what you get (laughs) shithead like that's what you get so I was like, those board. fucking underwear were fucking baffling. I'm glad Laurie fucking razzed him for oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> they were just so dumb looking. That was kind of the diapery yeah. thing that he wore like Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. In the comic, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Like he, that he probably would have saw him in that yeah. and been like, Oh, that's what I should look like. Cause that's what Dr. Manhattan yeah. looked like in the comic all the time. Like that's what he wore when he was in Vietnam, which I assume in universe would be super iconic yeah. imagery of Dr. Manhattan, right? Mm-hmm. Like him giant above Viet Cong and like blasting out everything kind of thing and that so that would be the picture he had in his head of what dr manhattan should look like so
0: and every time that there is some fuckery like that where it's like okay this is getting a little too cute by half they fucking hang a lampshade right on it so that you're like okay Mm -hmm. i'm still bought in
1: yeah yeah even things that i would have rolled my eyes at in any other thing where azamandias being in the fucking statue the whole time like he was basically frozen in carbonite for the whole series i was like oh but they, they did it showed you and then like unraveled it all within like a couple minutes of itself. So it doesn't get cute. Like it doesn't get annoying that it's just sitting there. It's just like, Oh wait, no, we showed you that we trapped him and now we're, we're releasing him and we get to keep moving on with the story at this point. Yeah. Like no bullshit. Just keep going. And I was like, good, good. Cause, that would have been trite and i didn't need yep. that but they didn't do it right they just kept moving so and I, I think that's probably like i don't know who edited the writing on this but like obviously they edited the shit out of it because yeah, yeah. they got the all there's no fat in this series at all and again like kudos for nine episodes as opposed to 13 because like i did a couple 13 episode shows recently and like it's too much guys no more 13s <laughs> 8 eight's good 9's okay 8's yeah.
0: excellent so like perfect length it's just, it's just- yeah, exactly. It's just a matter of knowing where to where to stop. You know, if it yeah. has thirteen episodes, then go nuts. But if it doesn't, then f- don't fucking stretch mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah, exactly. They must have just had like, oh, well, we had nine episodes, and they were like, cool, do it, like just go do those and call it a day. But yeah. I'm sure for somebody probably somewhere was like, you gotta do twelve because there was twelve issues, right? Like, Ugh. do it yeah. symmetrically. But they just didn't, and yeah. that works even better because the story was told in exactly the amount of time it needed to be yeah. told.
2: So, I mean, yeah. like some people were complaining that once we got to the end of episode eight, that there's no way that episode nine could have been a satisfying ending. Cause there was so much to wrap up, but I think they did a really good job. Wait, wait what are you talking about? Now? Are you talking about star Wars or Watchmen? <laughs> 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 Boom! Uh, Sorry. It's funny. Sorry. Cause <laughs> we
0: can't defend ourselves yet. <laughs>
2: nope, nope, nope. I'm of having, course, a good time. Course, I'm I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm having and fun. We don't necessarily. We might agree with them once we finally watch it. This, is Tim, true. So, this is like... true.
1: It's true. That's why I like doing the subtle digs. You know what I mean? Just the subtle little jabs. Yeah. Just
0: subtle jabs. Anyway, I want to like
2: it, but that yeah, doesn't me mean I'm gonna. I did too. <laughs>
0: I you didn't. I don't. I don't think you wanted to like it as much as probably Paul and I want to like it.
1: Yeah. No, no, but uh, I did want to like it. I always want to go into a Star Wars movie and be entertained. Yeah. It's
0: just. Yeah. Anyways, anyway, we'll get there.
1: <laughs> yeah so i guess is there anything else we want to bring out before we wrap this up because like otherwise we could be here all night talking about this show which would be cool but i also have to edit <laughs> yeah. this,
0: So, so the, the biggest thing for me was i just want to shout out more of the design elements the design on the show was yeah. fucking top notch from production design to those amazing title cards um both like the watchman logo and then the title cards for the episodes were all really yeah. well done
1: yeah I've been using a rotation of those as my desktop nice. this week because they're very inspiring like graphic design pieces so I was I was pretty happy with those yeah, like almost everything just like the I'm not even like you said production design but even just like the way they've split the universe where it's like cause it's an alternate timeline where like certain things haven't happened. Like you notice there's no smartphones, there's no internet, oh, there's like they're still using the fake lines.
2: lithium ads were so cool. Like the lithium watches yeah. and the lithium cars and stuff like that. And you can notice yeah. that they like, all that yeah. kind of
1: stuff. Everything's electric and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I like I was like Yeah, you,
2: even the cars sounded I was like, oh the cars are like yeah. di- very distinctly electric. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah it's really great. Yeah. But
1: but just like the design of all the stuff like all the kitsch and like the tech and all that kind of stuff looked like the Dave Gibbons drawings. Like it looked like the stuff he like yeah. the comic booky kind of Jack Kirby-esque designs that Gibbons put into the comic were all translated out to real life, right? Like that the owl ship, whatever they call it, yes, was like right out of the fucking comic, whereas like the Zack Snyder thing looked like something out of a fucking Joel Schumacher movie. Like that <laughs> yeah, book, the owl ship looks so good. yeah so, so good. So good. So like all the industrial design side of the production design stuff looked like exactly like it should have out of the comic. And also perfectly lined up with like the tech kind of stalled in the 80s like because there's like a little insinuation that because of the scare with dr manhattan basically a generation is terrified of technology you know what i mean like yeah. there's a they had to skip a generation of techno- technological advancement because everybody was just like oh shit everything that he brought us is going to give us cancer and kill us so we've got to get rid of all of it and start from scratch and like they were getting to the point where they were getting back up once we get to this series which is set in 2019 in an alternate universe kind of thing mm-hmm. but you could see that there wasn't a, a big gap in technology and like the fact that the production design traveled through all that and worked properly i was like that's pretty somebody really put a bunch of fucking work into that i think
0: so yeah definitely some
1: poor art director had to sit down and be like how do we do this where's the cutoff? and like how do we design this new shit and how do i, I do we extrapolate from the comics and, yeah and like how do i yeah you got to do all that extrapolation yeah. i was like as the, a design nerd, like, as a designer and an illustrator and all that, I was like, man, that would have been fun. Like, that would have been a fun room to sit in and have to do all those drawings. Yeah. It would have been frustrating, but it would have been fun to do, too. So
0: kudos to them for nailing that. And even, like, really tiny, like, uh, design touches, like, the the little drop of blood that hits Tubbs' sheriff badge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like, pay, obviously pays homage to, like, that iconic smiley face pin that the comedian has. And I gotta say, Atlanta is all over this fucking show. Oh, yeah. Like, a bar's bakery, but like so much of it is set in this uh, area called Decatur Square. Decatur's like a neighborhood, or kind of its own little city within Atlanta. That's like the hipster yuppie area, yeah. and like all of those that's where the dr manhattan booth is that's where the final big climactic scene with true and you know and the fucking squid fall and everything Mm -hmm. is all happens in that square and that's like five miles from maybe five or eight miles or something like that from where we live and i know it really well
1: that bums me up you got to watch this and see like your backyard i got to watch titans and see my backyard and just be depressed the (laughs) whole fucking time like the whole time
0: Tubbs' funeral is in oakland cemetery it's a mile from our house i go running there like on a weekly basis nice cool there are a bunch of scenes set in marietta square which is like the historic downtown area of one of atlanta's suburbs the cultural center where abar does like the dna test and the acorn and everything that's the center for human rights which is right in downtown atlanta in centennial olympic park which is and it's a fucking amazing like museum that details you know martin luther king and the freedom riders and all that kind of you know the hu- civil, civil rights, rights movement stuff. yeah so fuck like I was just, it was just—it was so cool to see all that stuff and the way that they incorporated it into the show.
1: Cool. So, anything else before we get to wrap it up here, or I'm trying to think of anything else that we missed.
0: We we were talking about sort of scenes that really stood out for me. The one I thought was really yeah. well executed was Lady True offering that couple the baby and then just bring it. it was like, no, yeah. I, I already made the fucking thing. Here it is. You have like Time is seconds.
2: <laughs> I'm Holy a little on a mission. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, because like at first when they first
1: introduced the character, like with that scene, I was kind of like, I like this character like i'm kind of on board here like it it was working for me like i was hoping she would be more involved i was curious as to how involved she was going to be but i was like i liked that character that made sense to me as like the not quite but definitely
2: villain of the piece
1: kind of thing yeah so
2: because like you could get on board with like what she wants like her like tangentially stopping the seventh cavalry like that's not really her point like she she was just like nice side uh, effect yeah side effect because she manipulated them into doing all this for her like okay (laughs) the best is like
1: when she gets to have that moment where she's telling them like you fucking idiots i just manipulated you into like basically ending your own world Mm. well played you know like good job but i like i enjoyed that it's like there was enough of that kind of stuff that i was like i was kind of on board with her character until she was just like no i'm also you know a narcissistic sociopath who's gonna take these powers yeah. and rule the world with an iron fist, I was like, well, that's not as cool as killing the uh, racist guys. That <laughs> yeah. was fun. Like, I enjoyed they never that.
2: Actually, like, she never actually says, like, I want to take over the world. She still, like, believes that she's ideologically pure as she's walked into that machine, which I was like, but, yeah. like, so we're taking it... White, like, straight up calls her
0: out and says, like, nobody that wants that power should have that power. Yeah,
2: but we're taking his exactly. word for it, which we're taking Adrian's word for it, which I like because it, like, makes it kind of ambiguous like maybe lady maybe lady true could have done the right thing with these powers probably not we know we know how fucking horrible she can be and what she she's capable of but again we are like saying hey osmondius is right about this and it's just kind of like oh that's true," you know yeah yeah that's right
0: yeah and then the other thing i loved with true as well was the like Vite's message and how they revealed it kind of in stages like he's out on the he's yeah. out on the surface of Europa where all the corpses of his similar Acura end up which is fucking grim on its own and then you see that yeah. at first you you see that he made the message save me and then at the end of that episode where you learn their relationship you see that he like is basically kowtowing her to her and saying like save me daughter and then as reward she like fucking freezes him in carbonite basically <laughs> Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. yeah. Her bit with her mom too, which was creepy as shit. Yeah, but was also just like showed how warped she is. I guess like it it was very indicative of how fucking disturbed she was that she would do that, like clone her mother and then like start feeding
2: her the memories. I was like. That's fucking yeah, weird. Yeah, because she was capable of it. So obviously, if, because it's possible, she should do it. That's like, yeah. she's the, like, scientist gone horribly wrong. Where it's like, yeah. she uh, honestly believes that because she has these capabilities, just like Vite did that she should do what she's doing and therefore it's justified in and of itself. And like, obviously that is a fucking horrifying way to think about the universe just because you can do something. Doesn't mean that you should like, yeah. So, but she takes it to such a grand scale and makes it such a huge pissing contest with her dad that it's very entertaining to watch.
1: Yeah. That actress was like very entertaining also, you know what I mean? Like just her, the way she like would cut through the dialogue and stuff. She was very entertaining. So, yeah, yeah. I, I quite enjoyed that too. Cool. So let's uh, let's wrap this up because otherwise we're gonna be here all fucking night. <laughs> so Tim, why don't we do like final thoughts and any give it a number and you know ten the- out of
0: fucking ten. Like, I have so little to say that's bad about this show. Like, this is exactly what I needed a Watchmen sequel to be. Whether we get another season of it or not, I am perfectly happy with this as sort of a self-contained unit. And it's all, like, stuff that I just want more of. Like, I want to know more about this and this and this and this world, which is testament to the lube yeah, man. exactly nice. Where, where's the fucking lube man spinoff on disney plus <laughs>
1: yeah well <laughs> on next, no, hbo max it's warner right so i guess yeah. hbo max yeah it'll be um
0: but yeah it it walks a fine line to me between being its own thing while still paying homage to the original yeah 10 of fucking 10 perfect show
2: perfect paul 10 out of 10 as well. I mean, like what, what else? How could I not? I mean, like from the jump, I was obsessed with this show. I was like, every single performance is hitting the right spot for me. Everything about the plot, just like everything, every little touch, everything that they did just felt like it's while you're watching it. You're like, this is so genius. It's exactly what it should be. You know, like, I don't know. It's when you think of like what, prestige tv was promised to be when we get all these fucking streaming shows happening at us all at the same time eventually one of them has to live up to that promise maybe maybe but this one did in my opinion and weirdly enough it was from a property that i honestly was like i don't want any more of it and then when (laughs) i got more of it i was like now I need more of it god damn it god damn it so yeah it's it was incredibly well executed from start to finish and bravo yeah. cast and crew the entire cast and crew of what hbo's Watchmen. kudos to all of it
1: yeah so I'm gonna just reiterate that 10 out of 10 because I w- I kind of came into this a little bit more hesitant than the boys did or like I was kind of waiting to binge it so I was hearing everything about it before I watched any of it so I was like <laughs> man it can't possibly be this fucking good guess what it actually is that good. I was like just flabbergasted as I was watching it. That I was like, "Wait, this feels like an actual sequel to Watchmen." It's really fucking well acted. It's really well shot. It's really well like sounded. I don't know, whatever. Um, scored, I guess. <laughs> yep, <sounded. laughs>
0: there goes all our highfalutin. <laughs> fucking Boom! Movie right there. It's All scored. <laughs> scored. scored super.
1: <laughs> well, I got nothing. I'm really tired, boys. I watched Star Wars today. It was exhausting. <laughs> but like, it's just it's such a nice whole piece of entertainment that I was like great and on top of that they actually got the tone of Watchmen down which is what I was really hesitant about because like Paul this is one of those franchises where I'm like anytime I see DC doing a sequel series or a prequel series or we're going to integrate them into the mainline DCU continuity I'm always like this is all a fucking horrible idea and you should not do any of this like just don't just let it be the book that it was stop fucking touching it because DCU can't do this right you just can't like it, you <laughs> can't do it HBO did it right why I'm surprised by the fact that the guys who gave me The Wire, The Sopranos, Deadwood, Westworld, fucking basically every great show that has happened in the last 20 years, was managed to actually get this right. I don't know, but they did. So, awesome. Go watch nine episodes of Watchmen. You will not be disappointed. Especially if you've read the comic before. Like If you're hesitating the way I hesitated because you're just like, fucking, no more Watchmen. Like Just don't do it anymore. You're going to enjoy yourself. And you're gonna be very surprised by how much you are enjoying yourself. So yeah, 10 out of 10. Uh and that's I unanimous ten that's out of 10. That's never happened. It'll never happen again either, I don't think. There's no fucking
0: possible way that'll
2: happen <laughs> ever again. Like, <laughs> well, we didn't not... believe we didn't believe that this show was possible and it happened. So maybe. maybe yeah, yeah,
0: that's true. I think you and I, Mark, I think we both probably gave like Blade Runner twenty forty nine like ten out of ten, but Christy and, and other Mark did not. No. So I think that's the closest that we've come to like unanimous consent, like on basically a perfect piece of media on this podcast yeah, yeah. because 178 episodes and we got there
1: what's well, okay i mean christy and mark were clearly wrong on that case so i think we <laughs> got it at blade runner 2049 because yeah. that was
0: i still rewatch that
1: movie like every couple weeks and i'm just like yeah. man Rod, he fucking nailed this mm-hmm. like i don't even want to rewatch the original anymore i just re this one <laughs> not just because anadarmis is in it i swear to god it's not just because her. It's <laughs> the whole fucking movie is so goddamn good but either way yeah so Watchmen was awesome and everybody should go watch it and all three of us gave it 10 out of 10 which is like the most baffling fucking thing to me yeah that has ever happened on this podcast yep i think it just it just hit the right notes and we had christy on this podcast for like 100 episodes so <laughs> and she's there you go. she's
0: pretty baffling
1: yeah exactly we love
0: you christy yeah
1: we love you christy we miss you
0: <laughs> and your new dog
1: and your new puppy yeah you should <laughs> come back and do an episode before episode 200 just uh throwing that out there just because yeah. it's, it's coming up but uh or for
0: episode 200
1: that's what I said. Or for it. Yeah, whatever. Before I was said it before because it's like getting her on that exact week, not going to happen. You know what I mean? But we can get <laughs> yeah, her in the year. Just- we can get on there before that. Like we got 20 weeks or something like that. So fair. we can figure it out. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. She won't listen to this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Geek cred. Which should be pretty easy. Everybody should just be like, go watch Star Wars and Watchmen. And get
0: the fuck out of here. That's- <laughs> yeah. Not for me. No? Alright, so Tim, tell us your geek cred. My geek cred is Doomsday Clock. It is related to Watchmen. Fair, which Mark, Mark and I already talked a little bit about, but the final issue came out uh, this week, and it was, for me, well worth the fucking wait. I, for me, and I mean fair enough i'm totally in the bag for this because it's real continuity heavy dc stuff but for me yeah. this has been the most satisfying mini series that i have read in or maxi series whatever you want to call it. it's 12 issues that i've read in ages it finished with a bang it's jeff johns and gary frank at their the top of their fucking games i will give gary frank holy fucking shit that boy yeah. he can
1: pencil a page like he is yeah. also his superman he does yeah, the best i love it best superman out of like anybody drawing superman these days he's the fucking best yeah, him I and
0: superman. like ivan, ivan race is doing really good superman work with bendis right now but yeah. uh Ga- yeah. gary frank is doing fucking phenomenal stuff in doomsday clock here and i won't spoil it because i i want people to legitimately go read it and you know if you do tell us uh, what you thought about it but there are elements of it that are retconny and retcons are inevitably clunky but this i think is the most elegant retcon that i have ever experienced in comics and tv and movies anywhere so i already want to go back and reread it to pick up on more of those details that i'm sure are there like it mark and i said it's taken like two years plus for it to finally finish and so i'm sure that there's stuff i'm gonna go back and read those first few issues and be like wow like i can't believe you know how they weave this together and that sort of thing. So go read Doomsday Clock.
1: Yeah. We'll have to decide if we want to do an episode about that or not so that I can go back and reread it. Cause I think I would like to reread it, but I also am about to do the last probably 12 issues of Batman, like Tom King's yeah, yeah, Batman yeah. run. Cause I know that came out this week and I want to get into yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's too, next so. on
0: my reading pal. I'll read that tonight. Nice.
1: Um,
2: okay. Paul, what's your geek cred for the week? So, you know, I, I kind of have to watch some children's programming every once in a while because I have to put on some TV for my kids in between classes and something popped up on Netflix that I was like already kind of curious about called, um, I don't know if you guys know about the wee bear bears. <laughs> it is a four season so far show about three bears, a panda, a grizzly, and a polar bear that live together in a cave. Wait, wait, this is not a gay thing,
0: right? Not a gay thing. Not not, not gay for thing. okay. Not a bunch of bears. <laughs> yeah. Actual bears.
2: Yeah, and so th- it's got and it's got some pretty like high profile voices. It's got Dimitri Martin, Jason Lee, Patton Oswalt, it's Charlene Yee, and they've all done voices for it. And it's really fucking funny. Like I w- I just put it on because it's like, hey, it's cute bears and they're like doing stuff but like there's this one episode where one of the bears is trying to get in- internet famous and i was <laughs> i was laughing more than the kids do because they didn't understand the references and the jokes and i was just like sitting there i have to leave because i was not acting super professional in front of the kids because i was <laughs> laughing too much but uh it was re- it was really funny so um yeah it's kind of like f- super fluffy entertainment so if you guys need like a break from grim and gritty check out wee bear bears they're like they're like 12 minute episodes so they're like very easily digestible but they're really really funny who else ellie kemper did a voice on it too if you like ellie kemper which i do yeah. so yeah check it out i do like ellie kemper
1: although uh, just her as a voice is not exactly like the 100 percent of the image <laughs> that i want because because mark's a
0: pervert perver.
1: i am a pervert that's well, fine we're all single. I, yeah yeah <laughs> i'm single i'm allowed to be like she's a pretty lady it's cool right I don't know. Never mind. Uh, so I'm super boring. Just go see Star Wars and watch Watchmen because, like, that's basically what this week was for me. Also, is Star Wars and Watchmen, and we're we're gonna have to talk Rise of Skywalker at some point. <sighs> anyway follow me on instagram mt underscore roulette, and i think that's about it for us for this week thank you so much for listening if you haven't already please subscribe wherever you get your podcast from via apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher or spotify if you're subscribed please leave a rate and review it helps our visibility if you have any thoughts about anything we talked about tonight especially Watchmen, obviously uh please find us on our social media at facebook.com on Twitter at drd underscore podcast, or you can just email us your thoughts and we will, I guess, read it on the air or on the show and respond. I don't know how we'll, we would actually do that because it's never happened. <laughs> be the first guys be the first. Yeah. So either way, we're, I guess we're not going to talk to you guys till after the holidays or at least after Christmas. So have a great holiday week, everybody enjoy star Wars. There's a new season of letter Kenny coming out. Enjoy your nerdy Christmas gifts, whether they are bought for yourselves or bought for you. And then we'll be back next time with probably Star Wars, but we're not
2: sure. We'll see. We'll Uh, figure it out. Either way.
1: Yeah. Until then, uh, I've been here with Tim, so say goodnight. Merry Christmas, folks. And I've been here with my brother, Paul. Say goodnight. night, everybody. And I was Mark, and we will talk to you guys next week.
0: We are out. So how did we end up talking about two projects with Don Johnson two weeks in a row? When we've probably never talked about him on the podcast ever before, until now.
1: Yeah, I, I actually think Paul and I were talking about that <laughs> this week. Like, well, man, is Don Johnson having like a renaissance? Like, is this going to be one of those things, <laughs> the Don We're going to have to watch. We're going to have to watch a bunch of Don Johnson shit because he just comes that yeah, no. guy. Like, if, uh, Tarantino's going to put him in his next movie. Like, I, I can <laughs> feel it, you know I and mean? I'm going to have
2: to
0: watch it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like
2: he was good in both both of them. Like, that's really annoying to me. That's the it was- thing. He was good in both.
0: I don't know very confusing. Yeah, he plays a very Either confusing way. fucking clan member or sheriff. What does that say about him?
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, episode's <laughs> over. I'm going to stop recording now.